Let us stand together and let us hear God's call to worship this morning from Psalm 95 and the first six verses. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a God above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry lands. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, beginning to read with verse 15. Let us hear the word of God. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever shall not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Now we turn to the book of Acts in the third chapter. And there we will read the verses 11 through the end of that chapter, and we will be looking particularly at verses 22 and 23 this morning. Chapter 3 of Acts is the day following Pentecost, where Peter and John are at the temple. Peter has healed the lame man, and we pick up the account at that point with verse 11 of Acts 3. Again, let us hear the word of God. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He says, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, 
the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of your all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that this Christ would suffer, he does fulfill. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet, like me, from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophets, and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Thus far, the reading of God's most holy word. Some have referred to the time that we live in today, the information overload. We have provided to us more information, faster information than ever before, even to the point that just a few years ago we would have never thought were possible. And we can argue about whether that is always good or not, as anything else in this world. Uh, the Lord has given us blessings, and, and uh, we seek to use them for good, and the devil sees to use them for evil. But the real issue is not how fast, or even how much, information that you have available to you. But the question is, where do you look? Where do you go for truth? So before we pick up the words of Peter here on at the Solomon uh, at the temple, Solomon's portico, the day after Pentecost, as he speaks about the prophet that was uh, told would be raised up by God. We need to ask ourselves the question, well, what is the source of truth? Where does truth come from? 
Is God either by his revelation in the creation or by his spoken word, or are there competing sources of truth? You can find every argument there is on the internet and on Facebook. But ultimately, what we need to understand is there is no other information. There is, in fact, no other truth than the things that God has revealed. So God does speak. That's the first question that we need to consider this morning. God does speak. We do have his word. He has a particular means by which he speaks. And he has a particular message for us. So as we begin with the fundamental truth that God is the only source of truth which addresses life here on earth. And that's where we must begin. That's where faith in God is really all about. How do we know what God says and by what means he says it? In the first chapter of John, in that well-known presentation of Christ by the Apostle John, in the Gospel of John we read, In the beginning was the Word. And we also read in that chapter that the Word that is referred to there as in the beginning was the Word is, of course, referring to Jesus, who is the Word of God in creation, in the beginning, now in history has become the Word of God, become flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. The point is that God spoke when he created. When God said literally, let there be light, and he put the the sun and the moon and the stars in the heavens, and he created, what we need to understand is he didn't just put the sun there. By putting the sun there, he put truth there. And so when the scientists today who studies light and figures out all kinds of things that we can know in the lab and so on about light or any other part of God's creation, whether that scientist recognizes it or not, what he is dealing with is the truth of God which he has revealed in creation. We speak of that as general revelation. It's also God created man in his image. This means that in the original state, Adam, who knew who God was, and he knew the truth of God himself, virtually by means of what God said in the creation of man, created in our image. And yet, prior to sin, even though Adam knew God, he knew how to name the animals, he knew how to understand the creation around him, because it wasn't planted into his heart, because he's created in the image of God, and yet we read that God spoke to Adam. There's communication that takes place. It is part of how God made us. To be man is to be in communication with God. The fundamental truth that we do begin with, as stated, as I said a moment ago, and only now more fully described, is that to be man, to be created the image of God, is to look to God for truth that he speaks. Indeed, to answer the first question this morning, yes, God speaks. 
He has spoken. He continues to speak. Now, we spoke about God and Adam in the garden. Now, something happened to distort that relationship. And that is Satan rebelled and convinced Adam that there is another source of truth. Literally at the core of the temptation and the sin that Adam fell into and that we have been participating in since the time of Adam is to when, when Satan said, well, you really don't need to listen to God. You can be your own gods. That is literally say, you can make up truth. You can decide what reality is. But what we need to understand that that's the lie. That's the falsehood. There is no other truth. Whatever Satan said, whatever convinced man, whatever is in the heart today of unbelieving man, and all too often in the heart of Christians when we look around at the world and we try to see how to understand life and so on, whatever we see is God's truth, and whatever we use is a distortion uh, that comes from Satan is a distortion of that truth. No one has ever spoken. No one has ever revealed anything other than God. So with the fall into sin, man no longer sees fully the truth of God in the creation because he has been affected by the sin in his entire being. And most importantly, of course, as soon as Adam turned away from God, listened to the serpent, and literally said, well, that sounds pretty good. I can be like God and decide truth for myself. The relationship between God and man was broken. Man was put out of the garden. God no longer speaks to man when he's in his state of sin. And yet, in the curse that God pronounced upon the serpent in the hearing of Adam and Eve, there is the word of redemption. God speaks about the seed of the woman, which means life. But the point is that from that point on, God's word, God's revelation is about redemption. It is God speaking to make known to man what God has done, what God will do and has carried out for you, his people. This book, from the beginning to the end, and every portion in it, it's the gospel, the good news, salvation. It comes to you by the word of God, the God who speaks. Now, in the initial revelation, the basic foundation of the good news, God spoke directly. In other words, he spoke in the hearing of Adam and Eve. And they heard God say that there would be a seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. God spoke to Noah, and that he put his family in the ark and saved him from the wrath of God and the, and the flood and the judgment. He spoke to Abraham and called him out from the earth of Chaldees, the height of pagan civilization, and said, you will be mine. And he spoke to him. But when it came for God to deal corporately with his people, he sent Moses. And what we see is that God provides a spokesman, someone to speak the word. 
And now we have Peter preaching at the temple a day after Pentecost and talking to God's people. These are Israel. And he says, you, recognizing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you who have crucified Christ, he is the one that God has promised. And he speaks through the prophet. And so we read in verse 22, Moses said, Take, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. The children of Israel had the experience when they had come out of Egypt and met with God at Mount Sinai. And God reestablished them and said, I will be a God to you, you shall be my people. And he, and he said, I will come down from the mountain and meet with you. And the children of Israel found that to be a horrible and terrible experience from God speaking with, with his people. And they told Moses, don't let God talk to us. You go meet with God and talk to us. It is in that context that Moses said in Deuteronomy that God would raise up a prophet, and now Peter says the prophet, which is according to Moses. So God must speak to you, and he does, for you to know the truth. To fully appreciate what that means, remember the account when God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. We read of it in Exodus uh, chapter 3. <clears throat> and God had called upon Moses to lead, to go back to Egypt to lead his people. And we read in that conversation between God and Moses with the burning bush, and he says this in verse 13 and following. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and he asked me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. There's a lot there, but the point is again that Moses was directed by God to speak in the name of God. He says, when the people ask who you are, say, I am sent by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God whom you know. And now when Peter quotes the fulfillment of the prophecy, that there would be a prophet like Moses, what he is saying that this is the prophet who speaks the word of God. 
There are an entire set of prophets in the Old Testament. And God used them to speak to his people. But Moses uniquely stands as the prophet who is himself speaking the word of God. And that is what Moses himself told the children of Israel that God would do. That is what Peter now reminds God's people that he did and he sent his son. He says, whom you crucified and denied, he is the word of God. He is the prophet. What all of this means is that God is a God who indeed does speak. He has placed his son in the office of prophet. That is, he has provided for you to know God. That is, in him is salvation. We can go back to the Garden of Eden. We could recognize that Adam, as he was created, was created right with God, and yet God spoke to him. The relationship or the very concept that we are created in the image of God implies clearly that we are a people who need contact with God to know who we are and how to live. And now particularly how to be saved, how to have salvation. You know, very often we catch ourselves, and I think particularly when we look around at the academic world that we are engaged in, we look around at the world of politics, we look around at how our neighbor thinks about life, and we catch ourselves as though, and I mentioned earlier even the idea of Facebook, where you have all of these sorts of things posted and people have their, their silly arguments on Facebook, which are uh, not the place to have that sort of thing as far as I'm concerned. But the point is, as though that there were competing sources of truth. So there will be a debate between a well-known atheist and a well-known theologian. And who wins the debate? Now certainly we need to engage the world around us. Certainly we need to understand the falsehood that is prevalent in our world. We need to demonstrate not only with our lives by letting the light of the gospel shine within us. We need to be capable. We need to know the truth. We need to be able to understand the falsehood that is around us. But remember this fundamental point. The falsehood of this world is not another source of truth. There's not a competition as to who will win out. There is only one truth, and that is God. Any other concept of life is simply a false concept set forth by Satan. And we need not to be afraid of it. Don't let anyone ever say to you, well, that's your idea about God. God has revealed himself. He has given the truth. The truth about God is what he has spoken. Now Jesus died, particularly, that message, Jesus has died that we might have life. And the sinner is called upon to embrace this gospel message and to believe in Jesus. That is what Peter is preaching here. Um, And we read that uh, many believed and were added to the church. How does anyone know and respond? How does one come to know 
that in fact Jesus is the Savior. Jesus has died on the cross. He is the Son of God. The same way that Adam and Eve found out that they would not die. That is, God revealed unto them, and they heard, and they believed. They heard what God said. Let's be clear, there is no faith in Christ, which is not, at least to some extent, an informed faith. That is, based upon hearing the message, and knowing the message, and believing in faith, the message that God has given unto us. Of course, there are those who can literally not hear. They have received still the word in other means. There are those, saved who never reach the age of listening or receiving any message. God does work in their heart. But scripture is clear, reflected in our confessions. God builds his church by calling his people by faith, by making known of the gospel. Heidelberg, number 31, asked the question, but why is he called Christ that is the anointed? Because he has a threefold office. Prophet, who speaks the word of God. Priest, he himself offered himself on the cross. And king, he is the leader of his people. That's the context of this passage. It is the great commission, make disciples by teaching what Paul refers to as the foolishness of preaching. Now, there is a warning. Verse 23, And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. You know, having clearly made the promise of the prophet, Peter, the Apostle Peter now, inspired by the Holy Spirit, boldly stands up in front of all of Israel. Boldly we read in the next chapter of being arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin and being told not to preach that gospel and saying we must, we cannot do anything else. Here Peter clearly makes known that the promise of the prophet is the work of redemption. But let us be absolutely clear. There is only one word of truth. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is not one way to God amongst others. It is the only way to God. Every other one is not listening to the prophet. And the consequences are clear. They shall be cut off. There is no life. Yes, of course, it is the full rejection of Christ the failure to turn to God in response to the message delivered by the prophet as the word of God. None of us have ever come to the point or ever will in this life in fully embracing in every detail everything about the truth of God and applying it in our hearts. We are still learning, we are still hearing, we are still listening to God. But those who do not receive the words are not just missing out on some extra thing. Those who, who, who do not bother to listen to the word of God, those who do not bother to accept Christ or follow some other religion, it's not just, well, they have their thing, we have our thing, and at the end of the day, we all live. No. It is a matter of life or death. 
The message of the prophet is a message of life or death. Failure to hear the prophet. Failure to hear Christ who speaks. Let us be clear. Results in other destruction. Now we have before us clearly the ultimate fact. Hear the prophet and have life. Do not hear and have death. But understand the prophet brings the full word of God. He doesn't just tell you, believe in Jesus and you shall have salvation, and in uh, uh, a few things about how you ought to worship him. Those are, of course, fundamental. Those are important. But when it comes to living your life, when it comes to how to conduct your business, how to go about having a full life here on earth and enjoying the life he has given you, how to raise children, all of those other things, Why do we often as Christians turn away from the scriptures and turn to the so-called experts in this world? God has by his general grace allowed men to know all kinds of things. Unbelievers can fly, build and fly airplanes, but they're doing so by using borrowed capital, the truth of God, and understanding how that works. So why do we turn away from what the Word of God says and begin to listen to all of these other things? It's falsehood. The unbelieving world has a great deal of knowledge and ability to see and to use. And you can learn a lot about things and life. But ultimately understand there's only one truth. It is the truth of God. You who know Christ by His Word need to hear that God still speaks. He speaks through the ministry of His Word. This is given to us in this book. And as God has given to us, those who speak the words of the prophet, you would be rejoicing and rejecting the truth of God, whose truth about salvation you claim to listen to. When you turn away from that and listen to all sorts of other things in life, The warning remains serious. In the final analysis, when we think about Christ in his office of prophet, you want to know truth? You want to know how to live your life? You want to know what God wants you to do tomorrow? And this coming week, we have have all sorts of ideas about God whispered this in my ear and God whispered that in my ear. God speaks by his word and he speaks by those who proclaim the church, the word of God. And you want to know what God says, what God teaches you about your life? Be in church on the Lord's day. Hear the word of God and use the word of God for your guide in all of life. Hear the prophet that God sent. It is indeed the way to life abundantly. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we are all too quick to look away, to continue with the temptation that was set before us in the garden through Adam to think that we can be our own gods. We pray, O Lord, that you would work in our hearts a complete submission to your word 
that your word is truth. We seek that word in our lives. We seek that word in direction for not only our faith in Jesus Christ, we thank you for opening up our hearts and our ears for hearing that word, but also as we seek to apply how we live and enjoy the life that you have given unto us, that we might continue to be in communication with you. Speak to us, Lord, and hear us in our prayer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.